You're listening to a podcast from Victory. Jesus is the complete representation of God's peace. Discover more in week four of Unboxed. You know how it is every time you would watch beauty pageant or a contest that involves uh, beauty and brains. Uh, before they would ask questions, the Q&A is really an interesting time. Uh, and I believe Pia did great in the Q&A. But before, every time like a Miss International or Miss World or Miss Universe is being asked, you know, what are your plans, you know, if you win? And what are your desires once you've won the title? And normally the response is a cliche. They always say world peace, right? And, you know, it's just like a standard answer. You know, I desire and I wish the earth world peace, you know. But when you talk about world peace, what does it really mean for us to have world peace? How many of you are hoping that you and I would have world peace? I mean, really, okay? How many of you know that world peace is something that may be quite elusive nowadays? We know that terror is on the rise. Um, we know that we are, uh, like even in our neighboring nation, there is some sort of a tension in the West Philippine Sea. Uh, and, you know, we are desiring to have world peace uh, in, that part of the, in that part of the region. Uh, maybe uh, if you are sitting down here and you have some things, maybe some issues in your family, uh, you would like to have peace uh, within your family as well. Maybe you're talking about relationship and how things can be patched up. So uh, in this past weeks, we've been talking about the names of Christ and how it has been unboxed or unpacked in the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 6. We talked about a few weeks ago, His name, He is called Wonderful. Counselor, what's next? He is Mighty God. Last week we talked about Everlasting Father. And this afternoon we're going to be looking at Him being Prince of Peace. What does that really mean for us to have Prince of Peace? You know, we are in need of peace in Iraq right now. In Mindanao, we are in peace. We need peace of mind when we're going through struggle or chaos. When you're going through tough times, how many of you need the peace of God? Right? What does it mean for Jesus to be the Prince of Peace? We need peace in our marriage. You know, every time you uh, and your wife or you and your husband would have a passionate discussion or dis- uh, disagreement. How many of you are married here? Can you please raise your hand? Married and still look good, okay? And still feel great, okay? That you are blessed that you're married, okay? I know that, you know, being married is a challenge, but definitely, definitely it's a blessing as well. But there can be times wherein you want peace in the home. We need peace between friends. You know, for, the, for example, if you have friends that misunderstood you, you know, you want to have peace in that relationship. In our city, we're looking for peace, you know, against crime and so on and so forth. Maybe you're a student who just took the board exam and while waiting for the, for the results, how many of you are praying for peace? Okay, Lord, and so you you're probably not able to sleep because you don't have the peace of God inside of you. So we are looking for peace, and what does it mean for Jesus to be our Prince of Peace? In fact, it's very interesting that as we end this year, 2015, I think you'll find that in Facebook, Facebook basically summarized the top ten stories of the year 2015, and you know the first one that is really interesting for for the entire world is the U.S. presidential election. They don't know if uh, Donald Trump will win the election. November 13 attacks in Paris. It's a highlight as well, one of the foremost news that we are aware of. The Syrian civil war and the refugee crisis. 
you know, uh, basically hundreds of thousands of Syrians uh, evacuated and are now flooding the different European nations. Nepal earthquakes, the Greek debt crisis is uh, on top of the list. Marriage equality, basically same-sex marriage, it was passed in the U.S. is also one of the stories of the year. Fight against ISIS, against this uh, war on terror. Um, Charlie Hebdo attack in France. The Baltimore protest and Charleston shooting and flag debate. Can you imagine? Out of this 10, we would see that 8 out of 10 talks about wars, calamities, and the needs of peace. Eight stories would require us to have peace. Whether it's a war, whether it's a crisis, whether it's a refugee crisis, and only to the, particularly the U.S. presidential debate, uh, presidential election and uh, gay marriage, uh, this, well, I guess they still need peace. But somehow you will see that the world that we live in today, we are in need of peace. Amen. Some of the concerns that we're facing every single day, and that's the world. But how about us? Maybe you are in a situation wherein you feel that you are in the midst of chaos. You are in the midst of the most difficult times. Maybe you are in a crisis. Maybe it's a health crisis that you're facing. Maybe it's a financial crisis. And in the midst of this, you're asking, Lord, you know, is there peace here? You know, I'm desiring that I have peace as I end this year. And how many of you are, you know, desiring to have peace as you end this year, as we close this year? May there be peace. May we sense a sense of fulfillment and hope and faith as we welcome the coming year. And I believe that that's possible. Tell the person beside you, that is possible. That is possible. Jesus comes to us as Prince of Peace. I'd like to invite everyone to stand. We're going to be reading from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Maybe by now you've memorized this verse. We've been reading this for the past four weeks. And uh, just for us to be able to read it uh, together, I enjoin you to read out loud. And we're reading once again from the ESV version. Okay, what's ESV? Essentials, Essentials of Victory. Right, very good class. Okay, Or English Standard Version for those of you who are really Bible nerds. But anyway, all right. Verse 6. Let's read this out loud. One, two, three. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David... And over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for the opportunity to be able to know your word. We thank you for sending your son Jesus, who not only walked here on earth as Emmanuel, God with us, but he was given the title and the name Prince of Peace. We thank you, Lord God, that you will speak peace in our situation, Lord. And I thank you that you would speak to us, Holy Spirit. We open up our hearts uh, to listen to you, Lord God, and we thank you that you will bless everyone here as we understand what it really means for us to have this Prince of Peace and the peace that he offers to us in our situation. So we want to give you back all the glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say, Amen. Amen. Before you sit down, would you kindly greet the person beside you? Peace be with you. And you may respond by saying, and also with you. All right. Na-miss nyo na yun, ano? All right. <laughs> we will do that every week if you want. But anyway, so we're looking at Prince of Peace. 
And when you talk about peace, peace is not just a cliche, it's not just an empty word. Peace is a powerful word actually. You know, when you say peace, you know, the, 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 the Jews, whenever they would actually enter into a home, they would actually say, peace be with or shalom. Okay? One of the words that they speak uh, in a home or maybe in a gathering or when they greet other people is shalom. Everybody say shalom. Shalom is not what you put when you are aching, okay? When you have pain, okay? Hindi yung shalom pass, okay? Anyway, so, but shalom is really a, not even just a state of mind. It is something that is uh, given to us by no other than the Prince of Peace. And I realize that many people are searching for peace. Many people are looking for rest and peace. And we're going to be, uh, rest in peace, <laughs> We're going to be looking at that later on. Now, if you go back to the background of the story about this writing for, uh, of Isaiah, we all know that he was serving under four kings. First king that he served was King Uzziah. He was a good king. He considered King Uzziah as his father, father of the nation. And then his son Jotham uh, came and succeeded him as king when he passed away because he was sick. And so Jotham was also a good king. The f- third king, unfortunately, was not a good king. And his name is Ahaz in Tagalog, Ahaz. Okay? So he was a bad king. And then um, it was during this time uh, of uh, the reign of Ahaz, wherein this uh, foreign nation, the Assyrians, came and basically plundered the land. The fourth king that he served with was King Hezekiah. And so Isaiah was in the middle of the time when God was bringing judgment in the nation of Israel because the, you know, the nation was disobedient before the Lord. And how many of you know that disobedience many times will bring judgment in our life, right? There's always a blessing with obedience. How many of you know that? Okay? If we obey, God will bless us. But if we choose to disobey God, then cursing... And judgment will also follow. Check your Bibles. You can just write this uh, scripture, Deuteronomy 28. It's a whole chapter talking about the blessings of God, the first 14 verses, and the rest of the verses in Deuteronomy 28 talks about the curses of God if we choose to disobey Him. Now, it so happened that during this time, the nation was in judgment because they chose to disobey God, to worship other idols. They were rebellious before the Lord. But in the midst of that, God gives us hope. In the midst of trials, in the midst of judgment, in the midst of the seemingly wrath of God, He provides hope for us. Amen. He will not let us die in our sins. That's how good our God is. In fact, the name Isaiah means uh, God is salvation. That He came there to basically show salvation to the nation of Israel. Even during the time of Jesus, they were not actually in perfect peace. That's why with the coming of this Savior King, this baby was born. The declaration of the angels was glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom He is pleased. Israel at this time was ravaged by the, by the Roman Empire, but yet at just the right time, Jesus Christ came and He walked not only as Emmanuel, but he is known as Prince of Peace. Now you're probably wondering, why is he called Prince of Peace? Isn't he our King of Kings? 
and Lord of Lords? Why is he suddenly demoted to a prince if he is king? Now, just to give you a quick explanation, the prince in this particular uh, name is not really referred to the son of a king. But normally, it comes from the Greek word principes, okay? Or a ruler, which means a ruler or someone in authority. In fact, emperors during that time, they refer to emperors as princeps or prince. So when you call someone as prince, he is not someone who's waiting to be crowned as a king. But in this particular context, Jesus is ruling and reigning and has authority as the prince, as one who has been given rulership and sovereignty and domain. So he's known as Prince of Peace. Now, we talked about peace as shalom. Everybody say shalom. shalom. Look at the person beside you and greet that person, shalom. shalom. Flash the V sign, say shalom. Yeah, okay. And so we know peace as the V sign, right? Peace, right? But shalom means more than just the absence of war. It means more than just the absence of conflict or trouble. It means more than that. You know, if, we, if you want to have peace, and sometimes we look at peace as tranquility. Or, you know, just being quiet and enjoying, you know, no noise. That's peace. But really, when you look at peace, it means more than that. It means happiness. How many of you would like to have happiness? Okay? It means welfare. It means good health. It means prosperity. It means favor. It means completeness. It means soundness of mind and of heart. How many of you are, will, are, are, are hoping that you would have good health? Peace is there. Peace is actually part of good health. How many of you would like to have the blessing of God? You know, peace is that. You know, when God brings us peace, peace is not just not having conflict with Him and other people. Peace is actually having everything working with us and for us. Amen. That's why some people would say, peace means nothing missing, nothing broken. Isn't that a nice way to have and live our lives? Nothing missing, nothing broken. Everything is working. Everything is, you know, working out fine. We are living in a blessed life. How many of you wish and hope that you would have a life like that? Complete, sound, you know, good health, prosperity. All your relationships are intact, you know. There's no chaos in your home. All your children are loving you and obeying you. There's no fight between you and your wife. Is that really possible? When you go to heaven, it is. No, no, no. You know, that's why the Prince of Peace walks in our situation and speaks peace in the midst of chaos. And I realize this. It is possible to have peace even in the midst of chaotic times. You know, even if you and I are going through a storm, there can be peace. In fact, what they found out is, you know, in the eye of the storm, even in the midst of, you know, it may be a super typhoon, a hurricane, yet if there's the eye of the storm, in the eye of the storm, there is no wind at all. You will actually find yourself there, ultimate peace. And yet, everything around you is flying, everything around you is chaotic, everything around you seems to not be working out properly, but yet inside there, if you are with God, guess what? You are in the eye of the storm. Amen. I mean, that's, we, we need to have that understanding that yes, it may not be a perfect situation for us, but if we have Jesus, Emmanuel, 
God with us. We sang that song a while ago, Noel. God with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. If God is with us, who can be against us? Amen. We can face any situation, any trial, any difficult times because He is with us, fighting our battles. Amen. We can cry out to Him. The righteous cry out to the Lord and they are safe. Amen. Can we give the Lord praise this afternoon? Of course, I understand, and we don't want, you know, as pastors, we're very careful here to say, to make, you know, every preaching like a blessing preaching or a prosperity preaching or everything will happen good for you or no bad thing will happen to you. How many of you, let me just take a quick survey here. How many of us here, the moment you become, became a Christian, things went bad? There were some troubles that you faced the moment you became a Christian. I'm raising up my hand right now. And I thought, Akala ko ba? I thought that if you become a Christian, everything will be right. Everything will actually be in accordance to the will of God. Yes, we're praying for the will of God, but we're still walking here on earth. And we live in a fallen world. This world that we live in right now is a broken, fallen world. And we have to subject ourselves to some, many times to its influence, but yet we know that we can rise up Beyond the circumstances, and yet in the midst of imperfection, the Prince of Peace can walk with us, and He can take us by the hand, and ultimately He will save us. Amen. That goes uh, true for our marriages, our families, our children. You know, all who would submit to Christ's dominion will live a quiet and blessed life in obedience to Him. The question is, are we submitting ourselves to His will? Or our will. And how many of you know that the will of God is always good, pleasing, and perfect? We've got to align ourselves with the will of God. Because if we know that God is in charge, and if we know, Lord, whatever happens, I'm going to align myself with you, then that is basically the, the peace that we're looking at. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14 says, For He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility. There was a hostility before. Before we were serving the Lord or before we got saved, guess what? You and I were enemies of God. And I'm going to go through that later on. In Psalm 72 verse 7, it says, In His days, may the righteous flourish. How many righteous people do I have in this place? Please raise your hand. If you are righteous, let, raise your hand. Wala. I'll ask the question again. How many righteous people do we have in this place? Amen. I'm going to ask that question again, okay? We are not righteous because of the things that we do every day, but because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. You and I are not perfect. We still sin, but because Jesus Christ died on the cross, He made us righteous. Oh, now, how many righteous people do we have in this place? Great, okay? Convincing. Look at the person beside you and tell that person, you are a holy person. Believe it or not. Yung iba hindi masabi kasi asawa nyo yung sinabihan nyo. Okay? In his days may the righteous flourish and may peace abound till the moon be no more. And when will the moon be no more? It will never happen. What he's saying is, as long as you see the sun and the moon there, my peace will be with you if you are a righteous person before the Lord. Amen. Come on now. Give the Lord praise for that. 
That's His promise. Now, consequently, it follows that life without Christ would be restless and miserable. Life with Christ is a blessing. No matter what you go through in life, you may have challenges, but definitely we can run to Him and we're safe. He provides for us. He heals us. He restores us. He guides us. He will be with us. He will give us peace in the times of chaos. But yet the unrighteous, the wicked, will be restless and miserable. Is that real? Let's read in Isaiah chapter 48, verse 22. There is no peace, says the Lord. For who? For the wicked. Turn to the person beside you and tell that person, Buti na lang, hindi ikaw yon. You're no longer wicked. We used to be wicked. We used to be without God. We were wicked to the core. We don't deserve what we have, but yet God made us righteous by what Jesus Christ did on that cross. What kind of peace will the Messiah bring? I have three quick points for us this afternoon before we cap off, uh, off this year and enjoy our time with our families this week. What kind of peace will this Prince of Peace give us? First, He gives us peace with God. Everybody say, peace with God. You know, why do we need peace with God? Simple lang. Because we were His enemies before. We need peace. You know, shown to someone whom we don't have a good relationship with. In fact, in Romans chapter 5, verse 10, For if, when we were what? God's enemies. You and I. We're not friends of God before. Even if you think you grew up to be a religious boy or girl, guess what? You are still the enemy of God. We were reconciled to Him through what? The death of His Son. Not by coming to church. You were reconciled to Him not by giving in the offering, not by fulfilling your, your building pledge, not by attending the, uh, the, the victory group, or not by volunteering as a minister here. No. We were reconciled to Him because of the death of His Son, Jesus Christ. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? You know, ultimately, there's no one, not one of us that seeks the Lord you know, sometimes you would say, you know, I, when I was young, I would seek the Lord. I thought I was seeking the Lord when I was young. You know, my story was when I was younger, I was very religious. In high school, I actually joined religious clubs. And, you know, I served uh, as an altar boy. I almost became a priest. But in reality, I was not really seeking Him. I was seeking for attention. I was seeking for, you know, uh, recognition from my classmates or from my parents. You know, just to be able to hear them say, oh, Ariel is a good boy. I didn't realize that I was self-righteous and there's so much pride within me that in reality, it's not Him that I'm seeking, it's still me that I'm seeking. Really, in reality, the Bible says there's no one who is good, not even one. No one. You know, you may actually be a religious guy or you may actually be a murderer, a drug addict, or a rapist, or even a member of the ISIS terrorist group. Guess what? If you just committed one sin, maybe a white lie, and if I, if I compare you to an ISIS terrorist, guess what? We're both going to hell without Christ. You may probably be wondering, how can that be? That's not possible. Lugi yata ako. 
white lie? I'm going to hell? And yet these guys are killing people left and right? Yes. Because without Christ, we're doomed towards destruction. You know, we think that we can actually grade God on the curve, you know, that we're actually, we, we have a tendency to compare ourselves with others, right? If you look at yourself and maybe you say, oh, I am attending church every Sunday and I am serving every Sunday and I am giving my tithes and offerings every Sunday, then sometimes, somehow, we feel that we are better than, some, than someone who is attending church once a month or is not kind to his neighbor, or is not faithful to his wife, but he's attending church. We kind of grade ourselves, ah, I am more righteous than him. But in reality, the standard of God is not you are better than the other. The standard of God is perfection. It's 100% or not passing at all. You know, one time, my, one of my two daughters came home and said, Dad, let me tell you this, you know, I only got 15 wrong or mistakes in my math exam. I said, 15? Ang dami nun. Sabi niya, Dad, wait till you see this because my other classmate had 20 mistakes and 25. I am still higher than them. I am on the top of my class. And you know, as I was looking at and hearing my, my, one of my daughters, somehow that mentality or mindset is true with us. That we tend to grade ourselves, you know, I am better than this guy and I'm better than this guy. Maybe God's favor is with me because I am more religious or more righteous than this guy. But in reality, there's no one righteous, not even one. The standard of God is perfection. How many of us here would actually be able to say that from the time that you were in kinder until the time you graduated from college, you did not make a single mistake in your exam? Every exam that you took... 100% 100% perfect score. Anybody here? That's the standard of God. Every exam that we have, every graded recitation, you're there. Every project, you're there. You are most excellent. A, 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 100%. That's the ultimate standard of God. And maybe you're scratching your head. If that's the standard of God... How can anyone be saved? That's exactly what the apostles were saying. With God, with man, this is impossible. With God, everything is possible. We can only be saved because of the finished work of Christ on that cross. Amen. Because of what Jesus Christ did. What He did was, He is sharing us His perfect score. He is the only one who died that's sinless. He is the only one who died that's holy. He's the only one who died that's blameless. And what happened on that cross 2,000 years ago is, He exchanged His righteousness with our sin. The Bible says, He who knew no sin became sin for us so that you and I can become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen? Come on, give the Lord praise. Perfect score. Can you imagine? Now when the Heavenly Father looks at you, you are perfect. You are holy. You are righteous. Tell the person beside you. Tell that person, you are perfect. Tell the other person on your left, you are holy. Yeah, woo! Deco sanay. And it's not because of what we've done. Really, it's because of what He's done. We were God's enemies. And we were reconciled to Him. 
through the death of His Son, the divine exchange, our sins for His righteousness. He gave us His righteousness in exchange for the junk that we are giving to Him every single day. But pastor, I'm not perfect. I still sin every day. How many of you still sin every day? Well, every other day na lang. Once a week? Once a month? Tumawad pa eh, no? Guess what? That also is covered by God. Our past, present, and future sin has been paid for on that cross. And even if you've sinned, guess what? If you come to the Lord every single time, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And when God sees us fresh again, you are perfect. You are fresh. You are clean. You are holy. You are righteous. Not because of what you've done. Because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Amen. We are reconciled. Come on, give the Lord praise. We are reconciled to Him. We don't deserve this. In verse 8 it says, But God shows us His love, of His love for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Would you do that for someone? Would you do that for your enemies? Now, how many of you have enemies? Don't raise your hand, okay? <laughs> you probably have people in your life that you have issues with. Would you go and die for that person? Would you go, at least, not even die, okay? Let's not, that's too much. Would you give good things for that person, knowing that he is unkind to you? He offended you. He did something terrible to you. He, did, he, he treated you not good. He, he, he was un, you know, unjust with you and your children or your family. And then, would you be able to do something that's really good for that person? It's, it's hard. But then we see that while we were God's enemies and while we were yet sinners, God the Father sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us, for our sins. We don't deserve it. We have peace with God, not because of our desire to have peace with Him, but because of God's initiative to have peace with us. Romans 5.1 Therefore, since we have been justified, justified means justified, never sinned. That's justification. As if you have perfect score. We have justification by faith. We have peace with God. By whom? Through whom? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Few more scriptures. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5 says, But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. You know, this peace that he's giving to us was not given to us for free. He paid the price. It was an expensive price. No less than the Son of God Himself paid this price so that you and I can have this peace. The Bible says, even after this, by His wounds, we are healed. That is what was required for us to have this peace that God is giving to us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 says, this, All this is from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. He does not count your sin against you. He did not count my sin against me. But He gave us this gift of eternal life to all of us who would receive that. Amen. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely. 
And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, every single day, the God of peace is still doing His sanctifying work in us. Amen. We are all work in progress. God is still completing the work in us. We're not yet perfect, right? How many of you know that? You and I are not yet perfect, but God is completing us. He's the author and the finisher or the perfecter of our faith. He who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete that. My question is, did God already start His work in us? Are you a friend of God? Did you receive this peace with God? Have you been reconciled to Him? Or are you still someone who can be considered wicked in the Bible because simply because you have no relationship with Him? Really, the distinguishing mark is a wicked person and a righteous person. The, the distinguishing mark is really the friendship with God. A wicked is not wicked because he did bad things. Even the righteous do bad things. We did bad things. That they were considered righteous because we have a relationship with Him and we were reconciled back to Him. Amen. That's the power of what He has offered to us on that cross. And we've got to understand that. And I believe that a day is coming, when He's coming back, second coming, when He sees us face to face, you and I are perfect finally because of His finished work. Amen. Revelation chapter 14, verse 13. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. That's why the righteous do not fear death. How many of you know that you will die someday? Can you please raise your hand? Not right now, but someday, okay? Every one of us. But we do not have to fear death. Why? Because God already made a way that when we die, it's just enjoying eternal peace with Him. And He said this, Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, all their toil, the suffering here. Thus we have this term, rest in peace. Now turn to the person beside you and tell that person, may you eventually rest in peace. Eventually. There's no fear of death. You know, as, I, as we end this year, we have, we have two, at least, actually four people who is going to be with the Lord. You know, I remember this, uh, at least two, you know, one of our Volunteers before in the music ministry of worship leader Cholo Seva who passed away because of cancer a couple of months back. You know, at the end of his life, he was declaring God as his faithful God. As he battled cancer, he was in pain. But yet, he did not curse God. He chose to bless God until the last point of his life here on earth. Another one of our leaders by the name of Erwin Nipomoceno, he used to serve here as one of our victory group leader, and he moved to our church in Santa Rosa because he lives near the church there. He approached me a couple of years ago and he said, Pastor Ariel, I, I believe I'm called to become a pastor. And I said, you know, I definitely see gifts and anointing in him. Unfortunately, this sickness came in and really disrupted somehow the plans that we have. But how many of you know that God's plans are higher than our plans? His ways are definitely higher than our ways. And yet, as he battled cancer, same disease, he chose to honor God until the point of death, about a few months ago. And he left a widow with three kids, same as Cholo, three boys. But yet, we see that even as they faced their trials 
and their sickness, they ultimately chose to walk with the Prince of Peace. And now they are in eternal peace with God. Amen. Can we just give the Lord praise? There's nothing to fear. You're not to fear death. You know, I'm not telling you to taunt death. Yeah, death, where are you, death? Come on, give it to me. You know, I'm not talking about that. But when that day finally happens, you have peace. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. Everything will be well. Revelation chapter 4 talks about a new order of things will come. There's no more mourning, no more suffering, no more pain, no more tears because of what Jesus Christ has given to us. And what He's given, and I believe Erwin and Cholo and the others who has gone before us are enjoying, even my own son, they are enjoying their time in the eternal presence of our Lord in heaven. Amen. And we're going there someday. Amen. And that is where we have eternal peace. There's no more wars. There's, there's no ISIS. There's no debt. Can you imagine? No city bank bills. There's no sickness, no headache, no migraine, no nothing. There's no more mourning, no sadness in heaven. That's where we're all going. And all of this is given to us because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Do we deserve this? Nope. But if you receive this by faith, then you have it. Amen. Next kind of peace, as I read along, peace within us. So it's peace with God. And then second kind of peace is peace within us. You know, sometimes we wake up in the morning and there seems to be uh, worry or fear or anxiety. How many of you feel that from time to time? You know, about thinking about the future, about, you know, what's up ahead. You know, this new year, I'm not sure about 2016. You know, God wants to speak peace within us. Sometimes you would act like this, you know, this people, you know, you know, we're worried, we're anxious, we're, we're fearful about the future. But Paul wrote to the Philippines, in the Philipp- uh, sorry, Philippians, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 7, and he said, do not be what? Anxious about anything. You're not to worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication or petition with what? With thanksgiving, not complaints. Not comparing yourselves with another person who is seemingly more blessed than you, but with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In verse 7 it says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, actually, sometimes this peace cannot be explained by the human mind. You know, that's why when I would counsel people, for example, if they're a couple and they're praying for something, making a decision, I would ask them, do you have peace? And the husband would say, I have peace. I don't know about her. And she would say, I don't have peace because I feel like we should not do that. And the husband would say, I think we should do that. I have peace. You know, we should not do that. I don't have peace. You know, you know, that in itself, it means that both of them are not in agreement. That's why if your husband and wife, if you're about to make a decision, make sure that both of you are in agreement and both of you should have peace about this decision that you're about to make. You know, one of our missionaries that we've sent out to uh, Pakistan by the name of Don Hernandez has prayed 
long time, if they should go as a family, you know, even the apostolic team, the leaders of the church, the pastors, have asked them, are you sure about your plan to move to Pakistan? And what they said was this, you know, God, you know, Jesus came not just to die for us Asians, but even to die for the Muslims. And I felt called to minister to the Muslim group. And he brought his wife and his two-year-old daughter. Can you imagine? If you are a husband who's thinking logically, you'd probably not do that. But both of them, husband and wife, felt we should go. And, you know, after being uh, there for about a year, the church now has about 50 uh, disciples, formerly Muslim, but now are disciple, committed disciples of uh, Christians of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? How many of you know that God you know, will use people who are willing to sacrifice? But yet, it was not done without both of them in agreement and having the peace of God. The peace which surpasses all understanding. It doesn't make sense. Sometimes, that peace is there even if you cannot explain it. That's why when you ask something, when you ask for wisdom, and you know, as we start this year, maybe some of you are going to write your faith. Many of you will be writing your faith goals. You are about to make a decision. Ask the Lord, Lord, if I'm about to make this jump, maybe it's a change in career. Maybe, you know, uh, praying for next step in your relationship. Is it now, am I ready for marriage? The Prince of Peace. You ask, Lord, give me peace. And made the peace of God that surpass. Maybe you may not be able to explain that, but it's there. Then you ask for counsel, advice. I believe that you will not go wrong. Amen. Because the Prince of Peace will be with you. John chapter 14. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Tell the person beside you, do not fear. God's in charge. Matthew 11 talks about, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You know, the dictionary would explain or maybe define peace as having no stress. And many people would actually try to have a vacation in order to distress themselves. How many of you went to a vacation and after the vacation you need another vacation? Parang pag-uwi mo, pagod ka lalo. Eh, no? Parang, ha, because of the uh, vacation, you know, now I, I want, I need another vacation. You know, because the reality is we can never find rest and peace just by going to a vacation or by not doing anything. You know, I want to just stay here. Staycation. <laughs> I just want to chillax here in Manila. Everybody's going out. Um, um, you know, do you get peace from there? No. Peace really depends on the relationship that we have with God. That's why Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. What is this yoke that he's talking about? It's not the yellow part of the egg. <laughs> but this is what you put on two oxen in order for them to go in the same direction. And he said this, take my yoke upon you, what you put on that, the neck. Okay, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. It's kind of like this. When you have two animals that are pulling a cart, you put a yoke on their neck in order for them to be together in the same direction. If there's no yoke, one carabao will go to the right, the other one will go to the left, and what happens to the cart? But what Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you. Because I am gentle, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
take my yoke. What he's saying is, as we go through this life together, take my yoke because ultimately it's Him carrying the load for us, not us carrying the load for Him. Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise. That's why His yoke is easy and His burden is light. Suddenly, wow, parang wala akong buhat. Because all the weight is on the Lord. He's carrying us through and through. And the more we learn to submit to Him, the more we learn to give all the things to Him, the more we realize we're not in charge. And He is in charge. The easier it will be for us. Ultimately, we give all our burdens, all our yokes, all our concerns. Lord, bahala ka na. 2016 may it be a great year. I declare it in Jesus' name because ultimately, I put my trust in the Prince of Peace. Amen. Come on now. My last point as we're about to close. Peace with others. You know, ultimately, God wants us to not just have peace within, but peace with other men. And I asked earlier, how many of you have actually had some problems with relationship? Okay, you have people that you have offended, or maybe you have people who offended you. Don't raise your hand anymore. Just raise your eyebrows, okay? I think we're all guilty with this. And God wants peace. Reconciliation. The same way that He reconciled us to Himself, He's expecting us to be reconciled to others as well. You know, the, the Lord's prayer goes like this. Forgive us our sins as we forgive others. How many of you would like God to forgive you your sins? Please raise your hand. How many of you would like God to forgive your sins? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you are willing to forgive others? We can't have this attitude and say, Lord, forgive me, but I won't forgive them. Because they deserve what they have. They deserve their suffering. And I will collect until the very last breath of my life in order for them to see their suffering right now. You know? I mean, if we have that attitude, my question is, did we really receive forgiveness from God? To Him who's given much, loves much. We've been given so much love by God. We've been given so much forgiveness that we don't deserve. And every day, we come to the Lord and asking for His mercy and grace. Lord, I don't deserve it, but I come to you once again. By the power of the blood of Jesus, cleanse me from my sin. I confess to you all this sin, and may you make me righteous once again. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. We're asking that from Him. Would we not be willing to restore the joy of our fellowship with our brother and with our sister or with our husband or our wife or our relative or our loved one or our best friend or our partner who wronged us or maybe someone out there who used to have a relationship with us who are now broken because of offense. We see all these wars outside. It all starts with lust for power, sometimes even just offense. We see this Fights in the home between husband and wife. You know, and now, once again, how many of you are married? Please raise your hand. For those of you who are husbands here, let me just give you a tip. Even if you think you're 99% right and you are just 1% wrong, it's always safe to admit that you are mistaken to your wife. And let me just tell you this, okay? Always say these words, okay? Memorize these nine magic words. Honey, 
I am sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. Because if mama ain't happy, no one in the house will be happy. You gotta make, come on now, you gotta make sure that you gotta make that woman happy. And that, I believe, is what leaders is all about. We admit our mistake, even if we think we're right. Because it's not about proving you're right. It's about saving that relationship, ultimately. It's not worth separating because of a petty quarrel or maybe a big quarrel or whatever the issue is. Ultimately, life is too short for us to not save our relationships. Amen? You know, even in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 7, it says, When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. I hope that your wife is not your enemy. Because you call that sleeping with the enemy. I want to end with this. You know, all of us are probably in one side of the boat or the other, or of the coin or the other. Either we offended someone or someone offended us. But yet Jesus has said something about that. If you offended someone in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said this, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and then remember that your brother has something against you, what do you do? Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. It doesn't make sense for us to raise up our hand and worship the Lord and say, God, you know, I am holy. Thank you, Lord, that I am righteous. More righteous than this person beside me. <laughs> and yet we have offense in our heart. It doesn't make sense. Go first and be reconciled to your brother whom you offended. And then come back in the next service and worship the Lord and say, God, thank you. Or what if someone offended you and you have unforgiveness? Jesus also said something about that in the same book, Matthew 18. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sinned against me? Seven times? You know, in the Jewish law, they're only required to forgive three times, Judaism practice. But Peter is actually taking the next step. Not only three times, Lord, seven times. Jesus saw his heart and he said, not seven times, but 70 times seven, which means as many times as it would take, forgive. Unlimited source of forgiveness because we were forgiven unlimited times by the Lord. Amen. Amen. Come on now. My final point, I'd like to ask the music team to join me here on stage. Jesus gives us the ultimate peace with God and men. You know, that peace cannot be offered by anybody. Not by an idea, not by a vacation, not by doing something that's relaxing or chillaxing or whatever. It's given by a person. And his name is Prince of Peace. He wants to fix our situation. Let's all bow our heads right now and close our eyes. Maybe you're here and someone offended you or you probably offended someone. Basically, you are not in right standing with another person. That person may be here or that person may not be here. That person may be part of your family. That person may be part of your company or your community or maybe an old friend or a classmate in the past. But nonetheless, there's been an offense 
that severed the relationship between you and Him. If that is you, I want to pray for the peace of God to help fix and heal that broken relationship. If that is you, can you kindly lift up your hand with nobody looking around? Just lift up your hand right now. We want to lift it up to the Lord. As the year is about to end, I pray that God will restore relationships. Father, you see these hands even right now. Thank you, Lord, for your healing. Father, help us to be grateful, first of all, for the forgiveness that we have received from you. But at the same time, for us to be able to extend the forgiveness that you've given to us, to others. Help us to forgive as we have received forgiveness from you. And if we have offended other people, give us the humility to ask for forgiveness, the humility to say sorry, the humility to apologize. And I thank you, Lord, that as we close this year, 2015, may there be a restoration of relationship all throughout this church, God, in our families, in our home, in our communities, Lord God, in the people that we love, ultimately, we thank you, Lord, that you are the one who would step in and restore relationships. We say, peace, peace upon each relationship, nothing missing, nothing broken, mend every heart, heal every pain. And maybe people are saying, you don't understand what this person did to me, Pastor. I don't understand. You're right. But Jesus understands. And He wants to speak that peace in your heart right now. Thank you, Lord. You may put your hand down. As we pray this last prayer, as all heads are still bowed down, all eye closed. If you are here today, but you have not yet received the peace with God, you're not yet reconciled with God, He is not yet your Father, He is not yet your Lord, He is not yet your Savior, I'm asking you to give your life to Him right now. He's offering you this free gift, what He purchased for us on the cross. And this is the reason why He came here 2,000 years ago, first as a baby, then He grew up to be a man. Ultimately, He went to the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And if you want to be reconciled back to Him and receive eternal life and have the ultimate peace, I want you to lift up your hand right now. Anyone at all? Just lift it up before the Lord. If you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, lift it up. Yes, I see that hand. Yes, 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 I see those hands. Can you kindly continue raising up your hands so I can see? Yes, yes, sir. God bless you. Thank you, Lord. Yes, I see that hand, sir. If you're raising up your hand, would you kindly pray this prayer to God as an act and as a confession before Him? In fact, I want to encourage everyone to join us in this prayer. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner and I need you as my Savior. Thank you that you are my Prince of Peace that you came to reconcile me to God because of what you have done on that cross. I confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that he is raised from the dead. Thank you for adopting me and giving me the peace that I need in my heart. From here on, I am now your child and you are my father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Praise God. Thank you for listening to this message. For more messages like these from other Victory Centers, please visit victory.org.ph slash resources slash podcasts.